Well, hello there and welcome to Inspired, your grown-up girl talk. I'm Stacy Fleece, as always, here with Samantha Tredelia. Samantha, how are you? Here I am. I'm nervous. It's how I'm I am. Little, I'm... I'm a little nervous for today. I'll be honest with you. So first of all, happy Mother's Day. I know we're a touch early, but happy Mother's Day. Yes. Thank you. And today you. we have with us, uh, as our guests, your mother, Nancy, and my mother, Gail, in celebration of Mother's Day. Hi, moms. Hi, sweetie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I am well. So uh, we're a little nervous only because we don't know exactly what's going to come out today. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you you guys are our guiding lights and our, our mentors and our, our forward thinking moms. And, and, uh, we, we want to, we want to celebrate this day with you and talk to you and, and understand now that we have, uh, you know, 40, 50 years on ourselves, we, we look back and, and see sort of what you went through with a different color paintbrush. Right. So, um, yeah, so just, you know, want to, want to chat and catch up and, and, uh, See what's going on with you guys on this Mother's Day week. I, I, have a burning, I have a burning question, moms. Did you know that when we, Stacy and I, grew up, we would become these women that we are today? Did you know that at a young age for us? No, but I had aspirations that you would be spiky and sassy and not mousy and just a pushover. Because women get nowhere in life. Young, was she mousy in a pushover at a younger age? Uh, she was mousy, not a pushover at all. Mouth, mouthy, yes. Oh, mouthy. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, um, and mom, Gail, you can, you can speak to this, but I feel like in well, my younger days, I was, more, um, I was more of the quiet pushover kind. And it took me a while to kind of find my jive. No, you, I wouldn't call you a pushover. You were the third in a row and you from the beginning always thought you could do anything that the older two could do at the same time. So you didn't want to wait to do anything. Um, Mrs. Decker did have to encourage you to pick a vegetable when you were at her house because you would always just say me too. And she <laughs> finally made you make a decision Stacy, oh. do you want carrots or peas? And I you was would an early adopter of the Me Too movement. Yes, it meant you a little different too. to me. Meant to something different to me as a child, clearly. Yes, clearly. <laughs> so anyway, but I I knew that you know you weren't going to be taking anything from anybody from the time you got here. <laughs> you were you were a force to be reckoned with. I, I I do think it took me a long time to find my voice, though. Like if I. If I look back at my 20-year-old self today, I don't know. Samantha, I don't know. How do you feel about your 20-year-old self today? Were you, do you feel like you had the same sort of inners? <laughs> I feel that my mother instilled in me to like go out and get what I wanted and speak up for myself from a young age. So I feel like I had that. I don't know that I was necessarily as confident as I am now. I think that's Only it. the confidence yeah. that we get yeah. as we get older. And I think that's women probably in general, that we, we find a different level of confidence as we get older. Well, let's, let me put it in perspective for, for you. At 20, I had just gotten married and I had no idea what I was doing or what the world was doing. 
So I was strictly in a path. We went to college to get the MRS and I followed that path and, uh, you know, I had no clue where it was going. You were a much stronger woman at 20 than I ever was. Well, I remember very distinctly you telling me when I was a teenager, please do not get married before you're 30. Please. And I thought, oh my God, 30 is so old. Like, I know. What By you- the way, have, have you told Piper that yet? Um, no, we haven't gotten there yet, but I I distinctly (laughs) remember having this conversation in the car driving like down Island Crest Drive, Island Crest Avenue. Oh yeah. And I, you, I remember thinking 30 is so old. Are you flipping kidding me? Um, no, I was trying, you know, in hindsight, I get it because I was a totally different person at 30 than I was at 20 and PS, I got engaged at 29 and married at 30. And mom, when you got married 23? No, I had you when I was 23. I was 21. No, I was only 20. I was 20. I was 20 years and three months old. Which is crazy to to, because the 20 year old you and a 30 year old, you are very different women, you know, entirely. Absolutely. And that part, my mother tried to tell me too, but I couldn't understand it. I couldn't comprehend it. Okay, if grandma told you that, though, she was very forward thinking. And this I know about her, because yep. I think in, in, you know, in your generation, you didn't wait till you were 30 to get married. No. And no, if she did. was telling you that as a teenager, she, uh, she was just ahead of her time on so many levels. She was ahead of her time. There's no question about it. So speaking of being ahead of your time, both of you were working mothers with yep. young children and in that time, that was not a normal, necessary thing for women to be career women um, and have, you know, children. What was, what do you think the landscape's like now versus what the landscape was back then when you were bringing us up and being a working mom? And, you know, now that I think there's more support and it's more acceptable, but back then it necessarily wasn't. What do you guys think about that? 100% different now. There's much more support. I'd say almost everybody does work and do what they want to first before considering marriage, although not all of them. But in back in our day, you get married first and then you have kids and then maybe you get to have a job. What do you think, Nance? Well, it's different, but I always, you know, I was very driven. I wanted to be an RN and I wanted to work in the operating room. And so when I got married, I literally got married the day after my first quarter of nursing finals in college. And I don't even know how I did all that, that I was just, and it was the week, it was the week before Christmas. And so it snowed, it, <laughs> weather was crappy. I was exhausted. Um, like the perfect time to get married. What are you talking oh, yeah. about? And, and we had the wedding on a Saturday. And we went to Vancouver um, for our little honeymoon because we only wanted to be gone for like three, three days. And then we came back home for Christmas. Gail, I lived in Bellingham at the time. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So that we helps. drove, we so drove Vancouver to Vancouver. was logical. <laughs> right. And then I got deathly ill. I was in bed for five days. I got the flu and I was super sick all through Christmas. A so little overstressed and overworked. A little overstressed. Um, <laughs> And then I recovered and we went on a honeymoon and and drove all the way down to California. 
Um, but it was t- times were different. That's what we all thought we had to do was get married young. And, yep, right. and me being in college um, and being driven to be a nurse was, you know, I'd say probably 50% normal because there was a lot of girls I went to high school with that never went to college. Um, and so I persevered and went on and got my RN and, and had a long career in the operating room, which I loved. Uh, the thing about difference in working then and now, I don't think I ever made wages working as an RN that was more than a grocery clerk, clerk a store worker, because wow. they, they were union and they got paid more. Yeah, uh, and I would say, and I worked as a secretary, so I was always on the lower echelon too, but I, I did have the college degree, which opened the door. And the job I had as an executive secretary over time, uh, I would say the, the highest I ever got was a little over 50000 a year. Yeah. So the numbers are completely different now. Oh, entirely, entirely. Um, I think I only made fifty grand maybe the last year or two I worked. I, granted, I wasn't well, working full time, but still, I quit that, nursing that be- in... Um, 2000, 2000 is when I retired. That would be the same for me the last couple of years. And I worked, I I worked till I was 67 and a half. And Uh so I, I, I worked five years beyond my normal retirement date, but I love my job. And so until I lost my husband, everything was fun and games. Uh So and also until somebody loses an eye until somebody loses something so one thing that's very interesting and i remember having a conversation with you mother about was the way that women would be treated in the operating room and the way that the doctors would treat nurses and one of the reasons you actually retired from nursing and i remember you told me you were sick of putting up with the doctor shit And one doctor, I remember you telling a story about a doctor having you tie his shoe. And that was it. I will never forget him. He was a complete horse's ass. (laughs) And he would always talk very condescending to all the nurses. He was an OBGYN. And I was doing a repeat, scheduled repeat C-section in the middle of the afternoon. I was the circulating nurse in the room. Um, which means you got the surgical team, brought the patient in and, you know, got them what they needed, but you weren't gowned and gloved. You weren't part of the sterile field. And Dr. Dunn came in like he always did and all scrubbed up, got his gown and gloves on. And then, oh, Nancy, can you put on my shoe covers? Which he purposely (laughs) didn't put on himself, which he was capable of doing before he washed his hands. But he wanted me to put his shoe covers on which now weren't just shoe covers because in a C-section, they wear ones that go up to their knees because of all the amniotic fluid. And as I was bent down, squatting down on the floor, putting his shoe covers on, he instructed the father, the husband of the patient to photograph me doing it. Come on. I'm serious. Um, I was livid. But the patient was awake. She'd had a spinal. The patient's husband was in the room. There was a pediatrician. There was nurses from the pediatrics unit ready to receive the baby, as well as the anesthesiologist and all the other nurses that I worked with in the OR, all in the room, witnessing this. 
Ugh. I was livid. And so I pushed I can on the surgery, proceeded, the baby was born, everything was happy. And as soon as I got out of that case, I wrote out a four page incident report and turned it into my supervisor. Good for you. The next day I was told by my supervisor, oh, just let that roll off your duck feathers. He didn't mean any harm by that. Ew. Oh. oh yeah. <laughs> and okay. I said, no, that it was humiliating. I was just livid. And I went on and on and I said, no, I'm not withdrawing my complaint, my instant report. I want it to go for review, you know, because hospitals have like an ethics committee. And so it went back and forth and they kept trying to get me to rescind it and I wouldn't do it. And so fast forward a couple of months, this doctor was diagnosed with a glioblastoma terminal brain tumor. And he no longer could practice because he lost, fun he couldn't practice anymore. He came into the OR one day and asked my supervisor to get me because he wanted to speak with me. And he wanted to talk about this incident. And he wanted me to forgive him, but he never apologized or, or admitted that what he had done was wrong. And I refused to forgive him. And why what he did was wrong. And he, and he eventually died and I never forgave him. But that's oh the kind of, that is the kind of crap that okay. nurses no, no, put up with. I would, never, right. I would never will a brain tumor on anybody, but um, karma, I'm just going to say. Karma. Yes. Don't get you, ladies. Let, let me counter with the fact that my father was a surgeon and he was very well loved and would never have thought of doing anything in that way. Yeah. And uh, I had a wonderful boss. Uh, the bosses that I have had over the years have been fantastic. They've all treated me like the wife at the office. I got to do things. I, you know, they, they weren't demeaning things. I did everything mm -hmm. I was asked, but I, I got to do all the fun things too. So I'm sorry you went through that. And I've been lucky enough not to have that. Yeah, well... We all had a saying in the OR that surgeons were worse than men. There were a handful of them that were gentlemen and nice guys to work with. And they, you know, they would just treat you like normal people. But then the ones that were the assholes, the chauvinistic ones, of course, they outshined the nice ones because everybody had to put up with their crap all those years. Well, and they, also, they also barked louder. Yes. 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 But hopefully the landscape has shifted, you know, so much. I mean, I'm sure there's still nonsense that goes on in the operating room, but at least, you know, you're seeing more female surgeons, you're seeing more women in the operating rooms. And hopefully a lot of those things are not so prevalent anymore. We are, but let me give you another perspective, which I've had since I've been here. You've heard of Mayo's Clinic and mm -hmm. it's down the street and it's very well respected. I've blindly made the assumption that I'd move to Phoenix and I'd get to be a patient at Mayo's. Not so. Not only do you have to have an entree, you have to have, uh, there has to be space in the, with the particular doctor that, so they can put you in or not. And in my case, it was not. And um, what I see is Mayo Clinic 
asking for money from everybody all the time and expanding their research beyond belief when here they are surrounded by retirees who have things like glaucoma and other things that come with age and we can't get into Mayo's. So our healthcare system hard at work. Yeah, there, <laughs> no. there, there the, are the healthcare system is changes so that need to be made. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole nother conversation. It, so it, ladies, it, it, what was the hardest part of parenting the two of us and our siblings? <laughs> what, what do you? What was like the one thing that you thought mm, that was tough? And our siblings, not just us. That not just us. And our siblings was in there too. Well, the one thing that comes to my mind is one I, I just can't ever get out of my mind. I, array, I arrived probably 45 minutes late to pick up you from a brownie meeting or Girl Scout meeting. Yeah. You were the last one and you sort of looked at me as though, oh, mother, couldn't you get here on time? And I thought, you know, you're never going to forgive me for this because I was at least 45 minutes late and I come I was coming from work and there's always traffic and so I I was not very prompt for you I didn't show up when you needed me I I do remember often being the last one picked up and you know again karma like when my kids were younger and they would stay at aftercare at their K through eight school there were many days <laughs> that I was the last one to pick up and I got the same seriously you can't get here any earlier <laughs> So what goes around comes around, right? Yeah. Yeah. But now you realize how all the things you have to fit in your day. And then it's like, oh, shit, I got to go pick up Piper. Yeah. The day where I had to drive (laughs) back home across the bridge and there was a deer on the bridge, like in the freeway lanes. (laughs) And I couldn't like traffic on the Golden Gate Bridge was stopped until the deer made it across. Are you kidding me? So... um, (laughs) You know, and the kids are looking at me like, you're late. Like, you know, we're the last ones and you're late. Like, there was a deer on the bridge. I can't. I work for a living. So, yeah, now I get it. What about you, Nance? What do you think the hardest part of parenting was? Or even is, because you're still parenting. Even what? Even now, because you're still parenting. Um, I think... Um, like when you were like 12 or 13 and you were just impossible to communicate with. Holy Gussie, really. Okay, now I have to move again. I keep trying to move away from him. (laughs) You were so contentious and you just thought you knew everything. Wait, Samantha, contentious? Really? What? And... And it got, it would get to the point with you wait till your father gets home. I can't even speak to you. (laughs) And we would both just be just, oh, it was terrible. And and then your father would come home and talk to you. And then you would swear that you would be a good kid and you wouldn't do this anymore. And then it would next week would be the same thing. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's kind of what you have the beginnings of going through right now with the the teen years. They can be tough. And they're, it, that's ugly because they know everything. They won't listen to anything. Um, and they only want to do what they want to do, regardless of whether or not your the mom thinks it's a good idea. Yes. So I, I, I have a memory that I'll share. It's the one where you borrow my car and you put some of your friends in the car and you go down to California to look at colleges. 
then, yeah. then you call me and say there's a problem with the car and it won't work and i'm thinking why did i let you all go because now i you know now i have to get you all home and i have to get the car home so challenging um you were ready to fly and you were your wings were flapping and i was just trying to stay up with you just for the record she knew that we were driving to california like that was not the that part yeah. of the story oh, i yeah. just wanted to clarify i didn't yes. just take the car and leave no, and we, were you were you we driving from washington to california yeah yes oh, oh my god. god you know it was like spring break and we but okay you know we were 17 and we got yeah. in the car and we went and visited colleges in oregon and california there were three of us and that's what we did for our spring break oh yeah. i i can't believe you let us do that actually i remember like the things that our parents the you ladies would let us do i would never in a met in a million years allow bardo and Min like i wouldn't even think about letting bardo get in a car and drive cross state um or even like like I was babysitting child, like infants when I was 11 and I like Bardo can't handle, I mean, just the times are so different with these kids and the things that we were okay to do. And now we wouldn't even think of it. No. And that is true. I mean, I was babysitting my nephews and, and my brother's friends as children when I was 11 and 12, little infants, infants. Yeah, for 50 cents an hour, yeah, I remember that. Doing was that. Training. that was it training. It was. It was I training. I remember the 50 cents an hour. That was that was good good money. It oh, was. And then, boy, when it went up to 75, we were in the chips. Now it's 25 an hour, ladies. A kid. 50 cents um, a bag, an entire grocery bag full of maple seeds that we had to pull. Do you know how long yep. it takes to fill an entire garbage bag of uh, a grocery sack of maple seeds? And uh, it was 50 cents a bag. Like I was, I was. That was 50 labor. cents an hour. Yeah. That was better yeah. than babysitting. Oh, I think it was a bag, but <laughs> we, it was, it was child labor for sure. Um, it was work. That's true. So, okay. So now you see both of us with our own daughters uh, and son on my end. Like, uh, what's the what's the most fun part about going through raising kids again as a grandparent, not a parent? Ooh, it's so much better. Um, we don't have yours. to Can discipline them, them as much. Um, and when I do have to get cross with them, um, oh boy, do the eyes get big and do they respond? They're yeah, very more receptive to, right? to scolding. Like, be, but it, but I think it's because I don't do it very often. It's only when it's something really serious. Um, like when you guys went to Greece and Bardot threw slime on the ceiling and it was stuck up there. <laughs> <laughs> and she was she was mortified. And Moe, of course, came to get Gumi. And I come in the bedroom and I'm like, well, what? And they both look up and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I said, what did you think was going to happen? <laughs> and I had to get Papa to come and get it off. And then we packed up all the slime. There was no more slime allowed for the rest of the trip while you guys were gone. But they, they're very, they're more responsive as a, when you, um, um, uh, what am I trying to say? Parent as a grandparent, they're way more responsive than our children were to us. I would say so too. I think one of the most fun things I did was that time when I was staying with the 
children and I drove them uh, to and from school. I, I don't remember if you were out of town or why I was doing it, but uh, it was fun because I got to talk to them and they got to talk and I could listen. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was just a fly on the wall. So <laughs> car time. Yes, yeah, the time. relationships yeah. with grandmas. I mean, my, I was so close to my grandma and like what a special bond it is, you know, with a, a granddaughter and a, and a grandma and those those moments are so special. And I love watching my girls and you mom, because it's, it's cool. And it's very, it's, you're a different person with them than you are with me. And I very much appreciate it. One thing that I really wanted to talk about was, you know, what they say, your mother was always right. Or the little things that mom would say that you like still do to this day. So I was talking to Stacy about, so some of the things that I always do, and I always think about you is, Never put lettuce or potato skins down the garbage disposal. Never leave your dryer on when you're not home. True. If there is blood, apply heavy pressure. And the best piece of advice you ever gave me, and I don't know if you remember this, but we were sitting in a stoplight in a car and one of the nurses at the hospital had had her husband die. And you looked at me with tears in your eyes. And I was maybe 13. You said, you need to always be able to take care of yourself. And I was like, what are you talking about? And you said that this woman's husband had passed and she didn't even know how to write a check, how to go to the bank. She did not know how to do anything. And you repeated it again. And you said, Samantha, Sammy, as you refer to me, you need to be able to take care of yourself. So those are words. Those are some pillars of my life that I still live by. And I thank you for instilling those in my mind and in my heart. Yes. And those are still very pertinent, important points. Indeed. What about you, Stacey? What do you got? I am. I also very much got the always be able to take care of yourself, but, and I got lots of good life advice. Don't get me wrong. But the one that, that really sticks with me is I'm pretty sure mom, you ruined beans for me because um, you would feed us regularly canned beans. Oh God. Canned wax beans, canned <laughs> green beans, can't like, to this day, I cannot eat a bean because I can't stand the, the texture. And I'm pretty sure it's all those years of canned beans. So by the way, they, they're disgusting. Do not feed your children canned beans ever, ever. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, that and the Salisbury Steaks TV dinners also like pretty gross to this day, but yet, you know, and the corn always got in the pudding when you cooked them. Like there was always three kernels of corn that got into the pudding in the in the pudding section of the TV dinner. I, these are these are the things I remember. That and the um, the avocado kitchen. Nance, did you have an avocado kitchen? I don't did you even have, know what did you that is. The, green the avocado appliances. Oh uh, no, the, the house I grew appliances? up in was all um, it was all white. But oh, I do remember. I mean, they lived in that house for, oh God, probably 30 years or no, maybe 20 years before I was born. Um, I grew but, up with the green, with the green stove, the green oven no. and the green refrigerator. Yeah. I, know I what you're have the, about, but no, the, we had white. We had white. the burnt orange crock pot that I remember. Oh yeah. Like the, like <laughs> it wasn't even a normal color of orange. It was like red orange. And I remember that was big. We would have a lot of chicken and a lot of, um, broccoli. I felt like we had a lot of, and, and now as a mother of like trying to manage so many different things, it completely makes sense. And, and yeah, you do I a have, lot of chicken and broccoli, right? 
Well, you have so much more appreciation too, because now with the shuffling of kids and all these different activities, it's like, I have no idea how, I mean, my mom, Nance would work the graveyard shift and she would operate on like two to three hours of sleep. And she'll always remind me, she was, that's why I was such a bitch all the time. (laughs) Well, when, when we moved to California, you were six and your brother was two and a half. And I went to work full time for a few months. And then I, I switched to part time, but I worked three 12 hour shifts a week, but I took graveyard call five nights a week because it exempted me from doing three to 11 call or weekend call. So from Sunday night to Thursday night, 11 PM to 7 AM, I was the one on call. And so even during those three days, I worked 12 hours, I'd still have to go in in the night. So sometimes I'd be up 36, 48 hours. Oh my God. I couldn't. And I would still, I'd come home in the morning when I got relieved at seven, I'd get everybody ready for school and send them off. And then I might have a nap because maybe that night I had to go back into work or maybe that afternoon I had to go run softball carpool or maybe I had to do brownie troops. I was a brownie troop leader. <laughs> I mean, um, you remember Gail, it's just the things you did uh, because that's what you committed to. And, and I had the girls working. One of my fun duties was the 11.30 PM pickup at the tennis club yep. uh, because my bright daughters were smart enough to close up shop up there by themselves and uh, one night I fell asleep and one night I showed up in my bathrobe and you just never knew but I, I'd get there yeah I didn't drive but I worked the front desk at the country club but the country club closed at 11 yep. so that's, and that in my my zero period in high school where you used to have to take me to school at 6 30 in the morning because I had a zero period and I, did, I couldn't drive yet oh man okay. But I get extra points for becoming, uh, for going skiing with you on the ski bus, right? <laughs> yeah, I had did. never skied in my life and they talked me into it senior year. Yeah, oh, she chaperoned, she got free lessons. So there it was. Oh my yeah. gosh. That's well, moms, we are only the women that we are as a result of all of the wonderful knowledge that you've instilled in us. And we are so grateful and I feel so just, special and filled with love that we got to spend 30 minutes with you. Happy Mother's Day. We hope that everyone out there, if your mother is still with us, or even if she's in heaven or somewhere else, you make sure you embrace her in your memories. And uh, we will embrace our moms as we always do. Get out there this week and be inspired.